The Hard Shoulder. With Nissan. Number one for petrol in Ireland. Number one for electric. Nissan. Innovation that excites. This is News Talk. Well, as alluded to earlier, we are now going to digest and dissect the Minister for Environment, Communications and Climate Action, Richard Bruton, and Government's uh, plan published on Monday in relation to uh, the landmark uh, moment, as is supposed to be, according to them, in Ireland's climate change awakening. Of course, we've had various awakenings before and they tended to be more PR, puff and spin than reality. Of course, Cara Gustenberg joins me every Wednesday at this time. She is our resident environmental expert and scientist and she of the UCD Environmental Policy Fellow. Cara, okay, let's give a little bit of context to this. Um, Where did this come out of? Okay, well, Richard Bruton became Minister for Climate Action, Communications and Environment in October uh, 2018. So he's been on the job eight months. And uh, he was very successful in 2012 with the Action Plan for Jobs. All It was an all-of-government plan to help get us out of the recession. It was very measurable, lots of targets, and he wanted to take this experience and put it toward the idea of a much more robust climate plan. Because the fact is we have had climate plans in, in 2000 and again in 2007, and we have a national mitigation plan right now, which uh, Friends of the Irish Environment has taken the government to the high court about because they say it's not good enough. So we're very good at plans, but we're not particularly good at implementation. And this is where Richard Bruton thought that he could... Uh, step things up. And and it might be a case of the right minister at the right time and the right plan, which is what uh, Joe Curtin from the uh, the Institute of International and European Affairs has said. So what, what was the Climate Act of 2015? Well, for about 10 years, civil society and NGOs were campaigning for climate legislation, which, which passed in 2015. Uh, but unfortunately, by the time it passed... What did it say? Uh, it was looking for a lot of the things which are in this current plan. Uh, thing- but, but you don't think that law is as aspirational as a launch or a policy document, was it legally binding in some way? It is legally binding, but unfortunately, the real teeth of it uh, were watered down. So it set up a climate advisory council, which we have now chaired by John Fitzgerald. Uh, Unfortunately, it didn't give that climate advisory council very much in the way of powers. Uh, So they write a lot of reports telling the government how they're not doing enough, and those reports have historically been ignored. Uh, it, It also said that every government department would have to stand in front of the doll every year and tell them what they were doing to reduce emissions. And so the government departments have been doing that, but kind of just as a a box-ticking exercise and not really with any kind of scrutiny or any sanctions if they fail to to, uh, deliver on emissions reduction. So meanwhile... We've had this this climate act since 2015. Emissions keep going up. We can certainly say that that climate act hasn't been effective. Uh, but, but one of the things that we signed up to was the EU fines. That's right. Um, by was it 2020, we had to reduce our emissions and so on. And by how, how are we fixed for that then? The one thing that has been holding us to task is really these these EU 2030 targets, which are binding and there are fines associated with them. And now that the price of carbon is expected to go up, they're now saying that since we, we definitely will miss our 2020 targets, we will we were, are on our way to miss our 2030 targets. And those 2030 targets could potentially cost us fines of up to 7 billion euros. So that's three times well, but are the cost we, once of the we National hit Children's Next Hospital. year is 2020. When yes. do the fines start and how much would they be? It's a little bit... 
because I heard a figure six hundred million. Yeah, mentioned. for for twenty, not six billion. Like, are no, you no, gilding no, sorry, the that's, lily? That's twenty twenty. So twenty twenty fines are are relatively small because the, we dropped emissions in the crash. These are twenty thirty. Those fines will be in the order of seven billion. So, so the impetus is to really try and figure out a way to hit our twenty thirty targets, which is what this this plan is is proposing. So, um, you know, finally, we we've historically had a, a government that has gone to Europe and argued that Ireland is a special case and that we shouldn't have to, you know, have such stringent targets. Now we have a government that realizes the writing is on the wall, and if we don't do something now to take action on climate, we end up paying dead money to the EU in twenty thirty. To cover these fines. Okay, and in fairness now, there was a joint Oireachtas committee which covered all parties. Does this plan match that report? The Joint Oireachtas Committee report is, I think, one of the best pieces of climate work I have ever seen well, you out of would, the government. I mean, <laughs> well, like, I had nothing to do with it, but <laughs> but I do think they did a great job and they put forward 41 recommendations for how Ireland could could lead on climate. And uh, and some of those those sections are really innovative. For example, the agriculture section is the best government document on agriculture I've ever seen because it really talks about a new model for agriculture that's not just beef and dairy, uh, but they also talk about modal shift in transport and, and all the other sectors too. Now, this plan is not adopting all 41 of those recommendations. It's particularly weak on agriculture and on transport, um, better on energy. But there are some good things in this plan, particularly around the way the... So where is it weak in relation to the uh, committee? Um, on agriculture in particular. So it's business as usual. It's, you know, ticking away at, at some of the things that Chagas me- recommends regarding manure management, but doesn't really address the fact that if we keep adding more cows to the herd, our emissions in agriculture keep going up. Uh, it doesn't talk in the same way about diversification of, of agricultural products. Well, I, thought, I thought the plan had lots of forestry in it. It has forestry, but I mean, I think we could be looking beyond that at things like horticulture and organics and, and other types of farming than, than and other than agriculture, where does it fall short of uh, the committee? It's for transport. It's very. Sure, so there's going to be all electric cars by 2030. Well, million cars. You see, Ivan, I'm a I'm an electric car driver, and I wouldn't say that's necessarily the solution to to climate change because we know that electric cars create the same amount of congestion. It's still an inefficient way of traveling around. So we. And what do you say now? Speaking of transport. There's a statement in here from the Irish Road Haulage Association, and they're simply putting their hands in the air. What do you want us to do? We can't have battery-powered cargo. They've got to get to and from the ports. They have all these billions of euros of exports and imports. I mean, do you want them all to go home? Yeah, so we might have to look at gas, and we might have to look at other things. So the the solution for haulage may not be electric in all cases, and and I think... What what would be the... Well, I think what we'd like to see more of in this plan is more of a modal shift in public transport and, and But public transport. transport won't work for haulage. No, no. And But I mean, there is other technologies like uh, gas. So so the Gas Networks Ireland is looking at using grass as a form of biogas. And, you know, there are other technologies that we could look at for haulage, but electric vehicles in the haulage sector is becoming a reality very slowly. It's not there yet. But the, yeah, this plan does rely a bit too much, I think, on electric vehicles. And uh, historically, our government has set loads of ambitious targets. But I thought targets. there was going to be a two-to-one ratio of uh, public transport to to private uh, to uh, motoring transport, but I mean, like you, yeah. eco warriors, don't want the second runway at Dublin Airport. You don't want the Galway bypass. We had some of your types on yesterday, <laughs> John Gibbons and Eamon Ryan and all those. And like, people need to land their planes. 
Well, I think we need to tax that fuel for the people who are landing their their planes. And I mean, this is one thing that's missing. And they mention aviation in the, the plan, but they say, look, that's being dealt with at the global level. Um, they do also mention the need to climate proof any future development plans. And had this been in place when we were talking about the third runway, it would have been very interesting to see what the emissions impact of that third one runway would be. So, you know, I, I think there are a lot of strengths in, in this document. And what I would say the biggest strength is... All the things that civil society argued for for the 2015 Climate Act now are appearing in this plan. Like? So like carbon budgets. So every sector will be beholden to a budget well, of you're carbon. You're in favor of a carbon tax, of course. I, I am in favor of a carbon tax, and that's included in, in, Fuel in the poverty plan. Fuel poverty for no, the pensioners. With, with my, yes. my vision of a carbon tax is that it's the ultimate Robin Hood tax because attend, the, ultimate the tendency take from the poor and give to the take rich. Take from the rich and give to the poor. So they, there is a tendency wealthier people use more carbon and so if we design no, old age pensioners are the ones who buy the bag of coals it's the trendy millennials old age don't pensioners use are using public transport for free a lot and if we retrofitted old age pensioners but there is homes, no, when you go down to you see once you go beyond bray there is no public transport if you, if you want to go uh, to ramsgrange or go to bunclody yeah. there isn't public transport. yeah and i think we the, the thing about a carbon tax is we need to design it so that we're mindful of fuel poverty and the rural urban issues and the lack of public transport in some places but i think all of these things can be designed for and that's why it's important to have left wing parties engaging in this oh. so that they are designed for the left pinko liberals yeah. wait till i tell you what about uh, you said one of the positives was electricity power generation. Yeah. It's 70% target by 2030. And wind ambitious. has achieved its targets in the 2020. That's right. You're the very 30%. knowledgeable, Ivan. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm very I mean, we're, we've been strong on, on, on renewable energy, and I think that's a credit to people like Eamon Ryan when he was Minister for Energy for putting that renewable energy on stream. And, and moving to 70% is ambitious. And the overall aim of this plan is for us to achieve our 2030 targets, which would be great. That means way less fines uh, come, you know, being paid to, the, to Europe, and also a, a carbon-neutral am, uh, ambition for 2050, which would also be great. So, you know, the overall ambition and the, the carbon budget... But do you think there are enough strong. timelines in this? Because, you know, this whole area has been uh, full of plans, targets, mm -hmm. uh, hot air. Yes. In, in other words, is, is, this, is this going to ever happen? I think this is... The strongest plan we've seen, which is a positive, but again, like everything, it's all about implementation. I mean, in 2002, we paid consultants who told us we needed to close Money Point to deal with our emissions, and it's 2019 now. So if we don't implement and we don't have a strong government that really takes this seriously as the key priority, uh, then no, then it's not worth the paper it's printed on. And so this is the real test, is how do we move forward? And, and what do you say to those who text the program on Monday? Uh, very annoyed. They are working people who say they have been uh, driven out uh, to the commuter belt, having to commute 100 kilometres a day. There is no public transport uh, for their needs. Mm -hmm. And they are saying they're faced with more cost, retrofitting their yeah. uh, older houses, mm -hmm. more expensive uh, transport, and that, yes, yeah. the social welfare people will get compensated, but mm -hmm. they, as usual, the poor working, the working it's poor the middle, yeah. will get it in the neck. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I would say that we have elected politicians historically 
that don't give a toss about planning. And now we are in a total mess with this urban sprawl and, you know, houses that aren't built appropriately. But and that doesn't butter any parsnips. No, it, mean, it means we need to step back and we need to start looking at who we elect to lead these things and get us out of this mess. But it is a total mess and we are paying the price now for inaction and special bargaining and pleading by, by former governments. All right, that's Dr. Cara Augustenberg giving her assessment of the new all-of-government climate action plan, saying it's great to have another plan, but it doesn't mean anything without actions and timelines. Uh, Cara, as always, look, for, look forward to talking to you again next week. Thank you for that analysis.